<laughs> go to the book of Luke. Let's go read our text. Luke 12. He said. In verse. Uh, 29. Luke 12. 29. Seek not. These are things we're not supposed to. Spend all our time and energy and thinking about and working for. What you shall eat. What you shall drink. Nor be ye of doubtful mind. Uh, The margin of my Bible says live in careful suspense. In careful suspense of what's going to happen tomorrow. (laughs) It's so sad that Christians think this is somehow spiritual. But they get together and they go, what is this old world coming to? They think that's spiritual. I just don't know. Man, I don't know, you know, if we'll have food to eat tomorrow. I don't know if, uh, you know, you just never know. People try to look wise and they talk stuff like this in their church parking lots and foyers and at the restaurants. After That's as unspiritual and unbelieving as you can get. What did he say? Don't seek that. Don't worry about that. Don't be in careful suspense about that. Because the whole world that's ungodly is seeking after all these things. And your father knows that you have need of these things. He's keeping up with it. He's got things in line. He's Jehovah Jireh we're singing about. That means the God who sees. And it literally means he sees ahead. And provides the supply. For what's coming up. And if you'll just stay on track. He has got provision and blessing on an intercept course for you. If you stay on track. You will intercept the blessings. My, my, my. I know uh, Phyllis and I believe God. We left home and left everybody and went to Ramah. And we were so broke, bless our hearts. We, you know, there were a number of days I fasted at school. And it wasn't because I was trying to be spiritual. It was just a choice between gas money to get home or lunch. And don't feel sorry for me at all. I learned a lot of wonderful things. I learned how to believe for a tank of gas. And the same principle, the way I learned how to believe for a tank of gas and a pair of socks is how we believe for a whole church now. Same thing. And if you don't learn it on the little stuff, you won't use it on the big stuff. And, uh, you know, God is so faithful to us. And uh, we lived in the rough part of town. And, I mean, we came out of our front door one night to go to church. And I heard the police on the bullhorn said, get back inside. (laughs) And the street was blocked. And there were people behind their cars with weapons, you know. I thought, huh, we better go out the back tonight, you know. If you got bored, you didn't have to turn on the TV. Just raise up the blinds, look out the window. (laughs) Well, the Lord blessed us. And we moved from there. To a better apartment. I mean it was a big deal for us to believe. To get in this better apartment. It was on the third floor. And you had to carry everything up and down. And then we got in a better apartment. And then we got us a dandy little rent house. Man we felt like we had arrived on that. And then we bought our first house. Oh. Looking back now. I'm, you know we didn't pay for it. We borrowed the money. And the payment just looked absolutely enormous. But Phyllis and I both talked about, you know, our, is our faith here? Can we really believe for this? And it wasn't that big. And then, you know, we lived in there and enjoyed that place for years and years and years and believed for a better place. And God had prospered us as the year, this, I'm talking about another 10 years now at this point between here and the next thing I'm going to tell you about. And the Lord I won't go into all of it, put us in a house. If you'd saw it and I told you what we paid for it, you might think I was lying. Of course, you wouldn't. You know I wouldn't lie to you. But just to look at it, you'd think, are you sure, brother? Yeah, I was there. It was a God deal. I'm telling you, a God deal. And it was wonderful. I mean, marble everywhere, huge swimming pool, tennis courts, nice. 
I mean, you had to go around the corner to see the rest of the house. I'm talking about, you know, you drove around and it covered the whole acre out there, you know, of house. Wonderful. And the price, we paid less for it than a lot of people paid for a house third that size. And the Lord told us when he put us in it. He said, when you made the decision to obey me and come to school, I set things in motion for you. And I come after I heard that, I started researching it. They started building that house. The same year, we decided to go to school and obey him. We didn't know about it for 20 years. But it was there. And when the Lord helped us to stay on course long enough until we intercepted it. <laughs> oh, can you say amen? amen? But we wasn't seeking houses all that time. We were seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness and those things were added to us at the right time and in the right way added to us, added to us. And these are not preacher verses. This don't talk about preachers. This is everybody. Right? Notice what he said. Verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek what? Hmm? Seek church. No. He could have said that if he wanted to. Seek being spiritual. That's not what he said. Seek prayer. People see, people substitute all kind of things. But no, what did he say? The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? The kingdom, there's two words, king, dumb. Dumb is the shortening of dominion. A kingdom is the realm or territory over which the king has reign and dominion. And uh, we found out and are learning more every week that this is what Jesus preached. This is what he thought. This is what he talked. This is what the disciples talked about. And after he was raised from the dead, I was looking at it again. All through his life, this is what he preached and talked about. And as soon as he was raised from the dead, what's he talked to him about? Hold your place. Go to Acts. Let me show you. Acts, the first chapter. Acts 1, verse 3. To whom also he, Jesus, showed himself alive after his passion, after his suffering, by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things. Let's stop right here. He's raised from the dead. He's only going to be with them a short time before he ascends, and they walk by faith from then on. What did Jesus choose to talk to them about after he's raised from the dead for these forty days? The things pertaining to the kingdom of God. What's his priority? What's on his mind all the time? Well, I thought it was people. Same thing. Right? The kingdom of God is people. But it's God's, you know, in the so-called Lord's Prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. What's the next part? Your kingdom. Come. What's the next phrase? Your will be done. Now see, another way of describing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is where God is ruling and reigning. And where God is ruling and reigning, His will is being done. It's obvious God's will is not being done everywhere in the earth. Right? And so that's why he, if God's kingdom had already fully been manifested in the earth and God's will was completely being done throughout the earth, he wouldn't tell us to pray that it would be. Right? But he taught us pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, in heaven, the kingdom of God is manifest. Right now. It's going to be that way on the earth soon. He's coming back. And the kingdom of God's going to be set up outwardly and everybody can see it then. And you and I are going to rule and reign with him. Right? 
But right now in heaven, it's already that way. Oh, this is a wonderful thought. The throne of God is there. He is ruling and reigning. His throne is there. You can go see it. Glory to God. There is no crime. Zero crime. There's nobody going hungry. There's nobody sick. There's nobody depressed. There's nobody with a heartache. There's nobody hurting. His kingdom is manifest there. And so his will is being done everywhere in heaven. And he said, pray that it would become that way on the earth. Just like it is up here right now. So we have been and generations before us have been and it will be. I said it will be and it's soon and very soon. I mean, if this thing went on another two or three hundred years, that's nothing. It's nothing. Of course, you and I won't be here that long. Our life is just a uh, vapor. It's here, it's gone. We are here such a brief amount of time. What should we be doing while we're here? Seeking to enter fully into and advance and promote and spread the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. Right? It ought to be on our mind when we wake up and when we go to bed and all time in between. The kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom, the kingdom. That means people getting in the kingdom. People in the kingdom rising up. The kingdom being advanced. God's kingdom. Can you say amen? Amen. Now, back up to Matthew, the 18th chapter, please. Matthew 18. For the last few weeks, we've talked about the parables of Jesus. And he said, to you, it is given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom, but to those that are without, it's not. And that's why he spoke to him. He said, how can I explain to you and tell you how the kingdom works and what the kingdom is and how it operates? And he'd say, it is like a grain of mustard seed. It is like a man who went fishing. It's like a man who found a pearl of great price. And every one of these gives us insight and understanding into the kingdom of God. Well, here's another thing. In Matthew 18, and let's begin at the first verse. Matthew 18, he tells us something that will bring to us today all kind of revelation about the very nature and atmosphere and essence of the kingdom of God. Matthew 18, 1, at the same time came the disciples to Jesus and they said, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Now see, why were they asking him questions like this? Because he talked about it all the time until they were, you know, the Bible said as they got close to Jerusalem near the end of his earthly ministry, the Bible said his whole bunch thought they were so pumped, they thought the kingdom of God was about to immediately appear. And one reason that, you know, we read book of Acts, we didn't go further into the uh, that chapter, but once he talked to them for 40 days... After he's resurrected. About the things of the kingdom of God. And so they said. Will you restore the kingdom right now? This is after he's raised from the dead. He said it's not for you to know the times and seasons. But you stay here. Until power comes on you. (laughs) And you're going to be witnesses. Now she got to hook all this up with the first part. We could say it like this. Kingdom witnesses. Right? What's our job right now? We are to be empowered, authorized, witnesses of the kingdom of God. People ought to be able to see us and see the kingdom. And the goodness of God in our lives draw them to repentance and draw them to come into the kingdom of God. They see how we live compared to how they live. Right? That we're not on our fifth marriage. Our kids are not crazy. We're not broke and sick all the time. That's too weak, guys. We're full of joy every day. And we don't use drugs. And we don't, we don't stay full of alcohol. 
We can be happy with stuff or with no stuff. Our happiness is not dependent on what kind of car we drive or where we live. We got peace no matter what's going on. See, this is what the Lord told his disciples even before he was raised from the dead. He sent them. He empowered them. Didn't he? Go, he said, and proclaim the gospel of the kingdom of God. And they went and they ministered healing to the sick and deliverance to the oppressed. And they said, the kingdom of God is here. Well, this is what the kingdom of God is. It's healing. It's deliverance. It's peace. It's victory. It's joy. It's prosperity. What did Romans say? The kingdom of God is not food and drink. But what is it? Righteous. Don't let that usness throw you off. Right. The kingdom of God and people operating in the kingdom of God, they do what's right. They think right. They talk right. They live right. They operate right. The kingdom of God is not perverse and wrong. It's right. But what else? The kingdom of God is not food and drink, but rightness, peace. We must not be frazzled like the unsaved world. Running around with two cell phones and, and watching the monitor and biting our, our lip. And I'm a mover and a shaker. I'm a mover and a shaker. Yeah, you're shaking all over. The psalmist said, I'll not be moved. That's what you ought to be thinking about. No, you are every day. You don't have to preach to people and quote them 50 verses every time you get around them. Just come in with peace. That preaches volumes. Just have joy every day, every day. You're smiling and you're happy and you got joy every day and stuff goes wrong and you still got joy. (laughs) And peace. And the bottom falls out and they look at you to see you fall apart and you go, hey, God's on the throne. I know how I got here. I know how I got that to start with. I know how to get another one. Besides that, worst case scenario, if everything in this life went wrong, I'm saved. I'm saved. They working on my place in heaven right now. See, the man or woman of faith cannot be defeated. Nothing can conquer them. Right? Now, he said, who, they said, is going to be the greatest? Who we want to know? Because they're thinking naturally. They're thinking naturally because they think, you know, well, he's going to be king. Well, who's going to be a general? Who's going to be the head judge? Who's going to be the minister of finance? Who's going to be this? One of them said, well, now, I was here first. I was the number one disciple, you know, time-wise. And they said, well, but I'm older. They said, well, I've spent more personal one-on-one time with the master. Well, I've gone out on more crusades. (laughs) I don't see what I'm talking about. And there is a competitive vying for position. And how many know already from reading your scripture, this is not the kingdom of God. This dog-eat-dog competitiveness, trying to climb up over somebody else, that is the world's way. So he had to teach them about this. And the Bible said, verse 2, Jesus, he didn't just answer them, just right off the bat he called a little child to him and he set him in the midst of them now not just a child but a what little this word distinguishes this is a little guy maybe barely able to walk little one and he set him in the midst of them and he said verily I say to you except you be converted Now let's stop right here. What does converted mean? Is he telling them, y'all got to change. Coming in here wanting to know who's going to be top dog. That's not, you don't know how the kingdom works. Right? This is not kingdom operation. Who's going to be the big man? Who's going to be over who? One said, I ain't working for you. 
<laughs> you may have to. No. Well, I deserve. I ought to have. I've spent more time. I've put in more. Well, I'm better qualified. That is un-kingdom of God-like. He brought the little child. How many understand this little child was not vying for position that day? He probably didn't even know what was going on. And he's better off for it. Right? He probably had no concept of the uh, friction going on between Jesus' crusade team. He's just, Jesus said, come here. I <laughs> went and picked him up and got him. And he's just happy to be sitting on Jesus' knee. <laughs> he's a little, everybody say little. little. Little child. He said, you guys have got to change and become like this little guy. How many understand this is kingdom revelation right here? Is this just a nice thought? And we go, oh, ain't that sweet. Don't miss the point. What's the point? Got to change. Got to change and become like this little child. Except you be converted and become not just as children, as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. You won't enter in. And we could say, you know, that's not just the beginning, but it's all through the kingdom. You won't enter into the next things of the kingdom. You won't advance in the things of the kingdom of God. you got to operate and think and be like a little child. Well, how can a 40-year-old be like a little child? Can they? So a lot of people don't believe this. Of course, they wouldn't tell Jesus he was wrong. But they're thinking, well, you know... Once you grow out of that age of innocence, you know, I, you can't go back and undo growing up. Well, then what's he talking about? Turn with me to 1 Corinthians, please. 14th chapter. Are y'all with me? Y'all believing with me? Now, we are not just churchgoers. Are we? You know, if you feel antsy in here this morning, I'm sorry you do, (laughs) but we need to examine things. You know, a lot of people do, and it's because of their past experiences. A lot of people have gone to church and been miserable for so long until they just have trained themselves to be miserable in church. (laughs) And before they even get set down good, they're kind of wishing it would get through. Well, why even come? So I've told you this before. There's two basic groups of folk that go to church. One group, they just go to say they went. It salves their religious conscience. They think in order to be a good Christian, you got to go to church. And so they just, for them, the quicker in, the quicker out, the better. They'd like a drive through church. And a whole lot of folk have decided, well, hey, I can watch something on TV, so that's just good enough. I sit in my slippers and, and I watch it and poop and I'm done. Well, and people say, well, you know, bless God, I can be just as good a Christian as you or anybody. Staying at my house, reading my Bible, watching my TV. Uh, no, you can't. No. Because the Word, remember the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E? That's the book for me commands us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. We're told to do that. So you're not smarter than God. Thank God for these outreaches, but there's a reason why we're supposed to come together. How many know there's a difference between being in the service and hearing the tape? Thank God for the tapes, but there's a difference in being there. And so you got people that just come to say they win. But then you got another group. They come on purpose to give God something and to receive something from God. 
and they ain't ready to go till that happens. We come to give God our praise and our worship and our money and our attention and we come to receive. Lord, what's next? What do we do now? Well, this morning he is saying, change. Change. Change how? Become like a little child. Change. Can you do it? Can I do it? All right. You know how? Well, then we better not go home right now then. We better stay. (laughs) A few minutes more. Right? (laughs) Yeah, I know it. 1 Corinthians 14. Are you there? 1 Corinthians 14. I, uh, you know, I got somewhere to go today. Just as soon. As the service is over, I'm going to rush and change clothes and eat and blast out. But for years now, I have refused to let myself think about that or push me during a service. I refuse to. So from the time I started here, I act like nothing else is happening today. I've done it again and again for years. People tell me, well, now, Brother Keith, you know, well, if we could wind it up, especially like a night service, if we could wind it up a little early, I said, don't even tell me. Don't even tell me now. (laughs) What is the purpose of a service? Let's do what we're supposed to do. Let's get it accomplished. And when we're done, we're done. Right? So you need to, you know, if I'm going to think like that, you ought to think like that too. 1 Corinthians 14, are you there? What is the word of the day for the kingdom? Be converted, which means be changed, be turned, and be like what? Not just a child, but a a little child. 1 Corinthians 14, 20, it gives us some further revelation. 14, 20, he says, Brethren, be not children in understanding. So he's not talking about not having knowledge, not having wisdom and understanding. Howbeit, in malice be ye children, but in understanding be men or be mature. The Amplified says, don't be children in your thinking, but continue to be babes in matters of evil. Where evil and bad is concerned, We can be and we're supposed to be like a little child. Did you hear this now? He said, don't be childish in your understanding, but be innocent as babies when it comes to evil. This is one of the things, you know, we're to be is uh, pure concerning evil. There's some stuff you and I have learned since we were born into this world that we shouldn't have learned. That we allowed to change us. See, little ones, when they come into this world, they haven't learned about all the junk. They haven't learned about the things to be afraid of and the things to be suspicious of and the things to be subtle or deceptive. They know nothing of all that. They come in pure. But over the course of time, they are corrupted. Their innocence is corrupted. Their sincerity and their honesty. But can you get back to it? Oh, that was weak. I'm excited about him. Can you get back to this child likeness as a 50 year old, 75 year old? Can you? Can you be cleansed from the junk you picked up and from the way you let this corrupt world change you? Think about it. They're all kind of people. You be around them, they are so bitter, they are so defeated, they are so depressed. What if you'd have seen them when they were a year old or two? They weren't like this. 
Were they? What were they like? They were dancers. Little kids, I don't care if they're Baptist or Catholic or Presbyterian or Pentecostal or Lutheran. Little bitty kids, you play music, what's going to happen? They're going to dance. Do they care what it looks like? Nope. What do they do? They're going to dance. Are you supposed to be like that? That wasn't everybody. Are you supposed to be that way? Yes, Yes, you are. Are they concerned about it might be a sensual dance? They don't know what that is. (laughs) Oh, that might be ungodly dancing. How can you look at a little child dancing and say, that's ungodly. (laughs) We don't believe in dancing. Well, they do. (laughs) They do. And they're having fun. Right? They're having fun. You know what little children do? They laugh. They laugh a lot. Let me read you something. One individual, I guess this is a child psychologist, they noticed this. They said, it's been reported that five-year-old children... Laugh an average of 113 times a day. (laughs) Well, how many hours is in a day? So how many laughs is that minimum per hour? (laughs) They're laughing at minimum four or five times an hour. Minimum. How many adults go an hour and don't laugh? Have zero laughs. Now see what people will say, well, now, Brother Keith, <laughs> little children don't know about taxes. <laughs> and they don't know about marriage. <laughs> and they ain't got my boss man, Brother Keith. Well, it ain't Brother Keith that told you to change. The Lord told you to change that. Didn't he? And become like a little child. A little child. They said little children, they laugh an average of 113 times a day. But by the time most people reach 44 years of age, that number drops to only 11 times. They went from 113 to 11 a day. And a lot of people ain't making their 11. Are they? They're not. There are people going months and not laughing. And they're paying for it too. Their systems are paying for it. I'm talking about their physical systems. Their body's paying for it. How many remember the Bible says a merry heart does good? This is not just a figure of speech now. It does good just like. A natural medicine, because it is a medicine. It is. And a lot of people in different fields are finding it out today. And it's being prescribed. It is. If you think that's funny, you just don't know. I I know of people that the doctors have told them, go get funny videos. And watch them. And laugh. Well, you wouldn't have to have a video to laugh. You could just laugh. Laughing is an alternative to crying. It's an option you have. Every time you feel like crying or you start to cry, it actually is real easy to change a cry into a laugh. (laughs) Y'all look like you don't believe what I'm saying. (laughs) Do you have a choice whether you yield to depression or whether by faith you step out in joy? Is the joy of the Lord your your strength? A few weeks ago, I hurt my back. I mean, I wrenched the pudding out of it. I 
I was doing a physical thing, and man, I knew by the time I did, uh-oh. And I mean, it was really, you know, you couldn't stand, couldn't bend. And every time you go to move, whoo, serious pain. And up out of my spirit, the pain hit me, and I'd laugh. <laughs> up out of my spirit. And then I started laughing because I was laughing. I thought, you laugh because you hurt? But the Holy Ghost was leading me. In a week's time, I was perfect. I know I healed up just supernaturally fast. But that's how he led me. I'd go to do something and go, ooh, ha, 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 I did. I did like that for a week. And I mean just a miracle of healing. Just just like that. The Lord taught me that years ago in healing school. We had days the Lord led me this way. The Bible said in Job at destruction and at famine thou shalt laugh. That is the faith response. The fear response is to cry. They diagnose you with cancer. Some of y'all are seeing what I'm talking about. Somebody said, now, Brother Keith, that ain't funny. <laughs> yeah, I know. You're all grown up. <laughs> You're all mature. <laughs> and defeated. <laughs> but, Brother Keith, this is serious. This is serious. You know, people get mad because you don't get depressed with them about their situation sometimes. When you don't understand, Brother Keith, this is no laughing matter. This is serious. This is life and death. Yeah, serious fear. Serious unbelief. But for the faith man or woman at destruction and famine, thou shalt laugh. We did it. I don't know. Many a day we did it. I'd teach on it for an hour or two, as I do. And... Then we'd tell the people, we'd begin to act on it. I'd say, uh, you know, so-and-so, you stand up, we're in healing school. Most of the people there diagnosed with something serious. I said, you know, what did the doctors tell you? What did the devil tell you? The devil told you you're going to die? You know what's been going on? And they'd get up and sometimes start sad, and the whole bunch would just laugh and laugh <laughs> and laugh. <laughs> yeah, Brother Keith, they told me I had three days to live. And the whole place would just go, ha! Then laugh. Somebody said, That's, that don't sound right. I know the Lord has chosen what the world calls foolish to confound the wise. And I have seen people that got up and they were kind of miffed about it. They looked around like, That ain't funny. And when they did, people just laughed the harder. They just laughed harder. And we'd have them come down and stand at the front. I have seen people over the course of 30 minutes quit taking their self and the illness so seriously, which means you have more faith in it to kill you than you do in God to heal you. And begin to laugh with the people and just see the heaviness come off of them. And I've seen people healed standing right there laughing, healed of so-called terminal diseases. I've seen it again and again and again. I've seen it. They said they're going to lay you off at work. <laughs> Is that right? Well, ha ha. What do little kids do? They laugh. They think everything's funny. Is that right? And they just laugh. Are you supposed to be that way? Can you be that way? Now, it's sad, but there are people here and there are people watching me and they go, well, number of the Keith, that's just not me. I don't feel like that, and I don't run around acting a fool laughing all the time. <laughs> yeah, and you ain't no fun to be around. But get this now, you used to be that way. You used to be that way. Oh, help us, Lord. You did? 
You used to be the dancingest, hollerinest, laughingest little dude. I mean, you would shriek with joy over macaroni and cheese. I mean, just be happy all day. Is that right? Now, all this stuff that you've matured into later is not an improvement. It's not. <laughs> Whoo! <laughs> Glory to God. Become as a, a little child. Little child. And very specific, he talked about, not in knowledge, he's talking about in understanding, but he's talking about in malice, in evil, in anything that's bad, you're to be childlike concerning it. If it's bad, you're to be like a little child. Little children, don't worry. Do they? You don't go out to the sandbox and the little one's just sitting there like this. <laughs> and not pushing their truck or playing with their doll. You go, baby, what's wrong? Have you seen the price of gas? Do you have any idea what a college education is going to cost by the time I get to be 17 or 18? (laughs) But see, people think that's part of growing up is you become responsible. And you have to worry about... No, you never have to worry. In fact, it is forbidden. In the scriptures and Christians who are doing it are sinning. Being responsible has got nothing to do with being afraid or worrying. Nothing. It's actually a form of pride. Acting like you could control it anyway. You can worry all you want to about the economy and your job and your career and the price of a college education. You're not controlling the economy. You're not controlling all these things. What can you do? Well, little kids are not even aware of it. They're just like, they don't know nothing about a trade deficit. (laughs) They know about Jell-O. Jell-O. Strawberry. Right? And see the thing. Oh, get this, friends. Jesus is telling us you don't have to lose any of that. You can be 75 and get just as thrilled with jello as you used to. You can. You can have just as much fun. Little kids have fun. And people who are always depressed and sour, they are poor witnesses for the kingdom. They are. They come in dragging all the time and mad and aggravated, never laughing, never having fun. There's a whole lot of people who are not Christians, think they don't want to be Christians because they have relatives that are. And they think, well, being a Christian is being like Uncle so-and-so or Aunt Minnie or, you know, Brother so Forget it. They're a big old sourpuss. All they know how to do is condemn everybody and judge everybody. This ain't right. And always negative, 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 negative. And woe unto you. Woe, woe. Woe unto you. The Lord told them. He told us. You're not going to enter into the things of the kingdom. You're not going to advance and develop in the things of the kingdom. Unless what? And until what? You make some changes. You've got to make some major changes and get converted and get changed like a little child. 
Can you say amen? Amen. Glory to God. You don't see little children harboring grudges and hatching elaborate payback plans. (laughs) You just don't. You don't see them on the playground and one of them's over, I and the other one. I'm talking about little children now. Little ones. She took my Kool-Aid last week and I ain't forgetting it. No. Have you ever seen little? I'm talking about little ones now. Now they can get corrupted pretty soon, but I'm talking about little ones. I've seen them licking a big old popsicle and another little one come up. They don't even know them. They go. Don't they? Oh, they'll stick it in their mouth if they'll let them. They'll... Certainly don't have any fear of germs. Not bothered at all. A whole lot of adults would be a lot better if they weren't so concerned about it. I'm serious. People say, well, I like things clean. Well, that's great. But that's not an excuse to be filled with fear that anything and everything you touch or drink and eat is going to kill you. Little ones, (laughs) there's enough stuff in the air right here to kill every one of us. But it's God's power in our immune systems, are you listening, and keeping us, and he's brought us this far. Little ones will sit down and eat a half a pound of dirt, brother. Is that right? They'll do it. (laughs) Now, I'm not recommending it, but I am recommending the no fear and the fun. We're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to have fun with your family. You're supposed to have fun with your spouse, fun with your kids, fun with your friends. You're supposed to have fun in church, fun when you pray, fun when you're supposed to have fun. You're supposed to have fun. You are. You're supposed to laugh and dance and sing and give, right? Free. Little ones are honest. Aren't they? They'll look you in the eye and not flinch and say something. And you know there was no premeditation right there. There's nothing hidden, right? Well, this stuff people develop. The flattery and the ulterior motives and the hidden agendas. This stuff is not the kingdom of God. It's the kingdom of darkness. And none of it has any business in us. We're supposed to be just as sincere as a little child. Just as honest. Right? Honest. Pure. Sincere. Happy. Right? The list goes on and on. I won't take the time to go through all of them. But how many understand another thing? Little children have no problems receiving. Huh? You break out a new cookie or a new popsicle and you go, here, they don't go, ah, I don't know if I can receive that. I'd always feel like I owed you. (laughs) By this time, there's slobber all over the cookie. In the time it took me to say all that. (laughs) Cookie's gone, yeah. (laughs) Little ones, why am I saying that, Brother Keith? Because Christians have been taught this lies about maturing and growing up. And they, oh, I don't know if I can receive my healing. And I don't know if I could receive money to pay my bills. I mean, is it the will of God? Little ones are not burdened with such stuff. They see something good and it's reached their way. Yay. Right. Yay. 
Right? Receive and enjoy. That's what the Father said. It's the Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And we got to be changed and receive it like little children and rejoice. Little children don't hide their impression. Do they? If they really think it's cool, they don't go, hmm. What do they do? I remember my little brother and I, we wanted a mini bike so bad. And my daddy worked about an hour or two away from home and he came in Christmas time. Of course, in Mississippi, it was probably 80 degrees that day or 70 or whatever. And he came in and uh, we were happy, you know, we were running around playing. He said, come here, boys, come here, boys. And he opened the trunk of his car and there was a lime green mini bike. Now, I forget what age we were, but we weren't very big. And uh, we did not stand there and go, wow, Dad. (laughs) Or, that's very nice. (laughs) People think, you're supposed to, as an adult, you develop a way to hide that you're impressed. No, that is pride. What will little ones do if they think it's wonderful? Ah, right there. They jump up there. Oh, what's a mini bike? It's a mini bike. It's the neatest thing I've ever seen in my whole life. Right? Oh, it's green. It's green. It's green. None of this junk, this hidden, twisted, Say one thing and mean something else and envy and none of that, none of that, none of that. How many understand right now in the kingdom of heaven, in heaven, it's that way. There ain't nobody upset with anybody else about what they got. There's nobody going around harboring a grudge or aggravated or mad or miffed or depressed. None of them. They're having fun. They're having major, major fun. And there's a reason why all through the Bible we are called the children of God. (laughs) Hallelujah. Stand on your feet. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.